Welcome to the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome with Wendy Bowlesby and Melissa Kirscher. Welcome, listeners, to another episode of Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. And we are here on the last day of Fantastic Fest. And oh my god, it's uh, eight days. Eight days. I have always been at the Alamo Draft House. There has never been anything other than the Alamo Draft it, House. It is true. They're starting to give us just free food. It's like, yeah, you guys just, are never going to leave. Just eat the food, drink the free beer. I wish I drank free beer. My life would be easier. You should have shaved the, the you should have saved your free beer so I, I could have had more free beer. I am so sorry, Melissa. <sighs> All right, so listeners, we are recording right now before the final slot of the festival. Yeah. Like, yeah, God. On the one hand, I kind of need my to get back to my real life because things are falling apart over there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but on the other hand, I don't want to, um, especially because I've seen great films today. So yeah, um, Melissa skipped her first slide because she is still a little I'm bit recuperating. But as you as you notice, I have an actual voice today, and I'm not hacking up a lung. This yet. is very exciting. It's very exciting to me. Okay, so I did manage to achieve escape velocity and make it to Bad Black. Yay. On Melissa's recommendation, which is the Ugandan super action flick. Super action. The super action. Ugandan key. <laughs> it was so great. Oh, my, you didn't tell me about the doctor, how the doctor left. Oh, no. I was keeping that one <laughs> I'm so aside. Oh, listeners. That, that, that is the standing ovation line right <laughs> that, there. Everything was just brilliant. So, listeners, and like Melissa talked about with the, with the video jokers, the VJs, um, part of what uh, the lone Caucasian has been really working towards is to bring that element into their DVDs and into their presentations in a way that is that works for American and European audiences right. so they still get that experience. Mm-hmm. And so he, like in today's Q&A, he's like, it was a game changer when we finally figured out, when we discovered a double... double uh, Subtitles. Subtitles. Yeah. Like, he's like, oh my God, this works great. Like, you can have the subtitles for the movie and the subtitles for the VJ. Yeah. At the same time. Yay. Um, so, yeah, I can't recommend it enough. It it bristles. It overflows with love of cinema. You walk out kind of buzzing with how, just how much joy was in that room. Mm-hmm. How much fun those people were having and how much they just really want to make a goddamn movie and entertain you. Well, yeah, and and they're doing this as a community. This is, is like, not just what they do to fulfill themselves as artists, it is what they do as to socialize in their community, to bond their community together. It's like everybody is involved. Everybody, and the Isaac, Isaac, who's the main, who's the actual, like, head, the director, who creates these films, like, the way Alan, who is the Caucasian... Commander Jesus. Commander Jesus. The way he talks about him, Isaac just sounds amazing. Yeah. Like, truly warm and generous of spirit. Like, they're like, well, if we're going to make these more commercial, maybe we should just have one person who is the star, the action star of the film. And he's like, no, I want there to be lots of action stars. Because, to me, the person who gets up in the morning and goes to their job and makes enough money to send their kid to school, that person is an action hero as well. Right. And that's just beautiful. Yeah. It, it's yeah. beautiful. I mean, it was also fascinating in the Q&A to hear about the racism and classism, even more it's class. Oh, yeah, classism, definitely. Um, of trying to get their films presented outside of where they are because they are made in a ghetto. They are made... Not in English, and that is very much in Uganda, a status symbol. How well you speak English is is how your class is defined, and they are spoken in broke English and Ugandan. And so nobody will take them seriously anywhere in Africa. Like he's trying to he's trying to go to like East Africa and say, We've made this film. No, they don't make films in Uganda. Yeah, they do. I've got one right here. Yeah, no. They, they don't, don't make, make films in Uganda. 
So to finally get noticed on the festival circuit is such a big deal. Yeah. I would love for them to bring Emmy the VJ. Wouldn't that be great? And to get a double feature of him VJing a Ugandan film, but also then to get him to VJ like an American film would just be... Oh my god! Oh, yeah, do like I Air would, Force One or something like I that. Pay, you know, I would yeah. pay extra money for that. Oh I yeah, want to be there because the VJ stuff was hilarious. Yeah, is it just brilliant? It's brilliant. He's so talented, and his timing is spot on. And I love how he kind of tailored it to an audience he has never met before. Right? It, it was so oh. sharp. Oh, so, so sharp. So sharp. Yeah. Ugandan dance. Um, <laughs> and then I, I also got to be. You also got to die for the sake of Uganda. I did. I did. I got to be a Ugandan action star. (laughs) Excellent. So that was a great kickoff of the morning. And then I went immediately, well, not immediately, and then the next movie was Down Under. Which which, I also saw. Yes. Melissa and I both saw that. Uh, It has been highly recommended. I was a little concerned because I had heard that it was about the race riots from about a decade ago. It's based on... In in Australia. In Australia, in Sydney. Like, this is a real thing that happened. Mm -hmm. So they (laughs) they have set a fictional comedy in that setting and it is really fucking funny it is really funny and it's uh four white people and four non-white people in their own separate storylines set to collide (laughs) set on a collision course in two separate cars two separate shitty cars um the satire is the satire uh, draws blood. It is so yeah, sharp. Yeah, and it's very timely for us Americans. Yeah, there is a scene how, how where a, a white person, because it's all about who gets who's going to this particular beach, and there's a scene where a white person is literally like, we should just build a wall around the beach. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? I can't handle this movie. But it was, it was laugh out loud funny mm-hmm. in parts. Um, as they introduced it, you know, Fantastic Fest has a history with smart comedies about stupid people. Yeah. And that is exactly what this is. They are incredibly stupid people. That said, there are there are sympathetic characters at, at work here. Yeah. So, like, even, like, well, all of them, even the most, the ones you most kind of hate or dislike, there comes a moment where you're like, oh... I see you. Yeah, and and they're they've all got a human element to them, and yeah. I, and I do love that of these two groups of four people. The, there's like one main instigator who's like, yeah, let's go out and get them, and everybody else just kind of gets dragged along in the wake. Yeah, and you know, with varying degrees of I'm and, on board. And as you <laughs> see more about these two instigators on each side, it's like, oh, there's a lot more going on here than just this. Yeah. Yeah. The, this rage is unformed rage looking for a target. Yeah. So, yeah, I I loved it. And that was like a that was a great double feature of just joy. Joy, just very very <laughs> funny but smart funny and like funny to a purpose, not like for all that it was happy making it wasn't it wasn't simple or light. And I so yeah, I'm so glad I didn't see anything too too like intellectually challenging or emotionally wrecking today mm-hmm. but that said I still feel like I saw things that had meaning yeah yeah, yeah. It, it, it's a feel good day for Fantastic Fest yes yes, it is yes it is and so Melissa and I both again just mm-hmm. saw the same thing yep. in our third slot we next s- to last slot no <laughs> tell us about it Melissa well we saw the season premiere well the series premiere the pilot uh-huh. Of Westworld, the two-hour pilot of Westworld. Well, one hour. Was it only? One? It was. Su- it was super short. Was it? I don't know. Yeah, we're we're out super early. early. So Are anyway, it's. I, I looked it it's up and I. Yeah, whatever. It started at. It five. Five. Uh, yeah, but it's seven now, and we kind of hour wandered and a half. around. Might be hour and twenty. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it's the, it's a pilot for Westworld, which is a new HBO series based on the Michael Crichton novel. Movie. I don't think it was a novel first. I thought it was a novel well, first. Well, I, I, I may be totally all wrong I know, about that. Well, here's what I it, it originated on. with Crichton. There was a Yul Brynner movie. Credits, it specifically called out the movie. So while yeah. there may have also been a novel, I, they they were crediting the movie for whatever reason. Yeah. yeah. So Crichton, anyway. Crichton's Crichton's movie with Yul Brynner being the unstoppable gunslinger. Yeah. And so the the TV series, which will be on HBO, is uh, it features. Wonderful people like Bill Paxton, and I did. Was he in there? No, I'm sorry. Um, no, it wasn't. 
It's got James Marsden. It does have James Marsden. It has Ed Harris and it's got, Bill Paxton, wasn't it? It's got Tandy Newton. It, I didn't see Paxton. It's got um, uh, Hannibal Lecter. It has uh, uh, Anthony, Anthony Hopkins. Hopkins. It's got... Um, Game over, man. That That's Bill Paxton, right? Oh, it, the delightful... Jeffrey... Jeffrey... Not Williams. Jeffrey Wright. Jeffrey Wright. Mm-hmm. I like him very much. I always like him when he shows up in films. So it's got... Yeah, the girl's father is Bill Paxton. Mm-hmm. Was it? Yeah. If that was, I did not see that. Holy anyway, anyway. Okay. We'll move on. We'll move on. We'll move on from the Bill Paxton I, obsession. I'll, I'm going to look it up. Yeah, yeah. You, you look that up, Wendy. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a very nice setup. It's it's slick. I, um, it, Of course, it's it's setting up a world where there it's a uh, computer it's not a computer simulation it's like a like an animatronic theme park that people can go into and pretend they're in the wild west and it's populated by robots and they can do robots. they can kill people and fuck people and blah 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 yeah do whatever they robots. want mm-hmm. they can live out really horrible fantasies let's be honest yeah and uh, and it's about um, you know pe- people going in doing whatever to the robots of this town but the robots are starting to gain a little bit of their own sentience. And so it's, you know, that's the whole concept. It's a very interesting concept. I do like what the series is doing with it. I like uh, I like some of the things that are like the, obviously the quote marketing of the theme park, like the anachronistic music translated into... The music score is great. I love Black it. Hole Sun Black Hole Sun on a player piano. Yeah, or uh, Fade to Black as part of the orchestral score done as like a western orchestral yes, score. Yes, it, it's beautiful. Yeah, like, it's I was, fantastic. I kept getting distracted by the music. I'm like, oh my god, that's brilliant. And was that Radiohead at the end? It I, might, think it, I, I think I, it was. It might have been. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, is, very interesting. And if, if anything, I want I want all the music because that fascinates me. Doing is it's it's inverting the original storyline where it was very very standard human human trying to escape from evil robot right right? this is inverting that in that our point of view of entry our protagonists our sympathetic protagonists are the robots the humans are start are also sympathetic um in terms of like well well like the designers are sympathetic the designer yeah that's better the designers are sympathetic they're trying to understand what's going on but at the same time they're still treating these robots as just property, mm-hmm. but they're trying to make them more and more lifelike, and I think we all know what's wrong with that, don't we, listeners? We know. We all know how that goes wrong. Um, and so the key element here is that Anthony Hopkins, who's the main designer, has come up with a new um, programming upgrade called... Um, oh, shit, I'm blanking on the words. The word. Uh, do you remember it? Um, it basically, it's... It's like reflections, like they're having moments of remembering that call, even though they get... They, they call upon uh, memory that has been erased but not overwritten yet. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Erased but not overwritten, and they're calling on that to add more subtlety to the human interactions. Well, that's great, except that what you're doing is making these robots... Have memory. Have memory of, like, I don't know, the fact that they die every goddamn day. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, on this, on the other hand, like I was fascinated more. I was fascinated more by the human side a little bit in terms of, like, we have a hundred different interconnecting storylines. Yeah. So that when people come in, like, if they can interact in an organic way and change different storylines, but there's so much going on that it's a drop in the pond. I'm like, that's fascinating. Yeah. Like the gaming theory of that. I've, I was just like, and, and I know that's not what the show's about, but I find that fascinating. But also that, you know, if you have to remove 10% of the population out to give them upgrades or downgrade them, uh, what does that do to the storylines? Yeah. And how they interact. And yes. Yeah, very interesting stuff. It's, and, um, it's and interesting. It, did, it you is, recognize, did you recognize the set when they go down? No, I didn't. I think... I think I would have to go back and watch Westworld, but it looks like a mall, right? Oh, yeah. I think it's a callback to one of the original sets on the Crichton movie. Yeah, I think you're right. They, they call the robots hosts, and mm-hmm. they have basically a host graveyard Yeah. Um, where hosts that have been decommissioned are just standing there, Yep. turned off and just standing around. That's not creepy. What could possibly go wrong with that? Why are you holding on to them? Like, why haven't you just destroyed Spare them? Spare parts. 
It's creepy. And ah. then our main female protagonist, they let you know at the end, is the oldest host still operational in the park because she has been repaired so many times she's practically brand new. If she's been repaired that many times, that means she's been uh, Horrible things have happened to her. That many times. Horrible so things. let's think about if her memories start to awaken. So yeah. I, I'm very interested in her character mm-hmm. arc. Um, yeah, I... All it needed to do was make me go, I would watch the next two episodes. I would watch the next two episodes. I'm curious. And, you know, Ed Harris as the villain in black, human villain in black. I kind of love that. i on board. Also, James Marsden is very pretty. Oh, he I always like, is. And he's so nice. Yeah. Like, I, I'm, I hope he doesn't want to ever play a villain because he's so good at just being warm and likable. Mm-hmm. And he's got great cheekbones. Yeah. Oh, by the way, it's not Bill Paxton. It's not Bill Paxton. It's not Bill Paxton. It's the other guy from Aliens. No, it's not. It's um, Lewis Hertham plays Peter Abernathy. Really? Yeah. Oh. Like that. He sounds like Bill Paxton. He, now that I'll give you. Okay. Yeah. Um, so let's <laughs> I, I often go by voice rather than faces these days. So. Okay. So we have one last slot, and then we're going off to the party. And if we can manage to get our shit together, we should. We should do a brief mini-episode tomorrow to recap the, any shenanigans on the party. Well, we will have the mic with us at the party. Oh! oh. Or as Tashira Mofini would say, oh. Okay, we'll make this happen. So I am going to see Jig Robot. And I will be seeing Colossal, which is Nacho Vigolando's new film. Nacho! Well, listeners, we are back after watching our final film of the day and of the festival. And right before we all climb into Melissa's car to head off to Alcoholsville. That's right. (laughs) Drunken debauchery. To Booze Town. Not Boozneyland, but just Booze Town. Just Booze Town. And and Susanna is with us. Uh, Thank you for joining us one more time. (laughs) Boozeville. It's Booze Ghetto. No, not not Booze Ghetto. No, we're going to be high class, more classy than that. All right, so in the last slot, I saw... I am Jig Robot. Jig Robot. Jig Robot, which is interesting because it's an Italian film. Yes. <laughs> really? Italian? <laughs> yeah. Shocking. Shocking. It's actually um, a pretty small film in terms of, like, it's just, it's a, it's not a very big cast. It's, because it's an, it's a, it's a superhero movie. It is mm-hmm. an origin story for a superhero. Cool. But what's fun about it is that the person, the origin of the person is, he's a criminal. Okay. And... Becomes he's, a superhero, and he becomes he gets superpowers, and eventually, and it's his arc. It is an origin story of okay. him deciding what to do with his superpowers. Because the first thing he does when he realizes he has them is literally go punch an ATM out of a wall and carry it home. Sweet. <laughs> and um, there's a really a lot to like about it. I like that um, he is older. Like he looked late thirties, early forties. Mm-hmm. He's not buff or cut. He's just some guy. He's not even particularly handsome. Nice. He's just some guy. Nice. Like, that really added a lot to the story. It made it a lot more just like, well, what would you do if you suddenly got <laughs> You could be super superpowers. Um, there's so a fun villain. Was it just strength, or did he have, like, other... It was just, just strength. strength. Just strength. And they didn't... Mm. It didn't play out in other... Weirdly, in other ways. Like, he didn't, like, have big, powerful jumps. He just was... Really strong and pretty indestructible. Like so, he could. How he discovered he had it was he fell off a nine-story building and didn't die. And he <laughs> a nice little divot in in, in the concrete. Uh-huh. Um, so the basic plot: criminal doing a criminal thing, falls into the Tiber and accidentally kicks over some submerged radio radioactive waste. Um, that's where he gets his powers and because that's where chemicals. you store, of course, your Just radioactive waste. And what's fun is that. In the process of, like, encountering it, it is released into the Tiber, but apparently just hangs around in that location. Doesn't flow anywhere. <laughs> well, that's convenient. <laughs> right? That's yeah, so convenient. Oh, oh, yeah. I guess that comes into play. So <laughs> convenient. How convenient. <laughs> also, nobody else who gets their water from the Tiber gets superpowers, apparently. Um, so it needs to be concentrated. <laughs> uh, through a series of events while doing crime things... Um, he encounters this girl who's the daughter of one of his criminal buddies and she is very damaged physically and mentally and has retreated into uh, living in a fantasy life 
Um, and I, when I say girl, she's a grown woman, but she is very, because of her damage, she presents as very immature. Mm-hmm. Um, she's retreated into a fantasy of this Japanese anime show called <laughs> Jig Robot. And so when she finds out, she finds out like right away, you got superpowers. She's like, oh, you're Hirosh- what, you're Hiroshima Shiba. <laughs> you should turn into Jig and save the world. You have to help me save the world. Wow. I need a princess dress so that I can help you save the world. <laughs> and it and it goes from there. And his relationship with her, and then there's the villain. And yeah, if it like, I don't know where you would end up being able to see this outside of this festival. If it shows up on Netflix, definitely watch it. I thought it was really sweet. Um, Oddly sweet, I will say, because there's, you know, it's a criminal. Yeah. There's, like, there's some shitty things that happen, but, like, it is a superhero origin story and all that that implies. So, yeah, it was a very satisfying last film. Cool. I was very happy. Very cool. Nice. That's awesome. And you two saw... We saw Colossal. And the reason why you're excited is because... Because it was fucking awesome is why. But (laughs) but, uh, also, it's Nacho Vigalondo's next film. It's, It's his fourth movie... Uh, and Nacho is kind of a, the, the the festival's favorite son. I yes. mean, he came here yes. to Fantastic Fest to premiere his first feature film, Time Crimes, ten years ago. Yep. And uh, it took the festival by storm. And ever since, he's been here every year. And he is he is uh, a, a creature <laughs> of of great energy. Great and entertainment. Great entertainment, and yes. Flamboyant. He's and flamboyant. flamboyant and a lot of fun. And But that the, was like five, the, six screens full of audience? Yeah, just yeah. wanted to see this. Well, well, and this is the biggest movie he's done yet. Um, he's names. Worked, he's yeah, got some names. He's got some names. Well, I mean, his previous film was Open Windows, where he was working with Elijah Wood, among other people, and this Sasha is, Gray. But, Anne uh, Hathaway. But he's got <laughs> Anne Hathaway as a lead now, and... Uh, She's playing a woman who, at the start of the film, gets kicked out of her boyfriend's apartment because she's an alcoholic and she just, like, blacks out and is irresponsible and wanders home at 2 p.m. when she should have been home the night before and just a bad decision maker. I just wanted to go, Downton Abbey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All those memories came flooding back. You're dead. Spoilers. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> for Downton Abbey. <laughs> for, for Downton Abbey, let's be clear. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but anyway, so she gets kicked out. She goes back to her hometown. She moves into the empty house that belonged to her parents. Oh, uh, yeah. That seems to still be in the family. And she has no furniture, nothing. Yeah, it's and empty. It's empty, and she's still a hot mess. So, like her her progress in moving in is buying an air mattress, <laughs> and eventually filling it up. Like you know, she starts out just laying on the floor on the air mattress. I you know that, that she, sort of thing. I love that she always like wakes up off the floor and is like, ouch. <laughs> <laughs> but but it. it you know, in her in a wandering through, you know, she runs into an old friend who now owns a bar, and he hires her on as waitress, and she's still a hot mess. And you know, like alcoholic working in a bar, yeah, that's going to work really great. Right. Go but great. but even but eventually, there's there one of the days she wanders home and wakes up at two p.m. Um, she wakes up and looks at the news. And or someone calls her. Someone somebody calls, calls her. her. It's, look at the news. Look at the news. And a uh, giant monster has smashed Seoul, Korea. <laughs> and um And it, like, appeared for, like, a minute or so. Just and then just air. out of thin air, like, lightning strikes and <laughs> giant takes monster a takes knocks a walk, a knocks down a building, and then vanishes into thin air again. And so... She doesn't think much of it, you know. Other everybody's than wow. going other than wow, like everybody, and you know, goes about her day, and then like the next time she wanders home, it happens again. I can see where this and, is going. And and she's she, she has, has a tick. A, she has she a nervous tick. tick where she like scratches the top of her head a lot, she and when nervous. she's nervous, she, gets an itch. she said, "I get an itch." Get an itch, and she's watching the second time this monster has appeared on the news, and the monster is scratching the top of its head. And on the phone. Well, there's on the no phone, phone but yeah, <laughs> on the and phone making making all these ge- gestures that she commonly makes, and so she starts thinking, and it 
turns out that there's this playground near a place that she wanders through every now and again. At a certain time. At of the a certain time in the morning, if she's there, she materializes in her, soul. her, her in soul as a giant monster. Like she's still in in her place, but the monster Appears. follows all gestures that she makes while she's, she's in this playground. She, she, she like, tests. Like, yeah, like she does a test. Yeah, she does a test. And, yeah. like raises her hand. And, and, and starts like, making like hand signals, like dancing and, and doing the YMCA, you know that sort of thing. Yeah, and then goes home and watches the and it's it, it she it's makes her the connection. Yeah, and but the the, the, the storyline goes so far from there. Yes. because and it's not it and it's then like the that, story that, starts. And then the story starts. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yes, because the the beautiful thing about it is this this the, gr- the gang at the bar. Yeah, There's a little group at the bar. Yeah, and all, all the, their stuff. Yeah, all their interpersonal stuff is going, and, like, there's a guy who she's known since childhood who's... The bar owner. The, the, bar, owner, the bar owner, but they have this kind of... He either really likes her or really hates, hates her, her, you're not yeah, sure. And, feelings and, going on. And then, you know, there's the cute guy that she likes, and, you know, and there's all this interplay, and it's, it's about substance abuse. It is about how people treat each other when they're distant from them when they don't have to look them in the face Mm -hmm. Uh, it's how uh men treat women it's how it it, it is talking about so many things at the world at large and it's like oh my god nacho you're so good at this shit this is great it was awesome yeah (laughs) i can't wait to see it yeah it it is amazing i wonder i just like want to see how they market it yeah because are they just going to focus on the monster parts or they're gonna like sell it as a drama. Well, you like, have to. Are you they gonna have to, it? right? That's yeah. If you, they just go for flair, they're gonna just build up the monster part of it. Well, you have to build up Anne Hathaway and the monster, but because you have to at least give the monster in the commercial because the very first scene of the movie involves yeah, a kaiju yeah, yeah, appearance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So you want to make sure they go. What? I'm in the right movie, right? <laughs> I'm in the right movie. Wait, Anne Hathaway, I was expecting the Princess Diaries 3. (laughs) Yeah. Why are there Korean people on screen? (laughs) Why is it subtitled? (laughs) Why is there a subtitle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, it, yeah, we're, I didn't get to see it, but like, if you play up the kaiju, are people going to feel it's a bait and switch if there's actual content? Mm -hmm. Um, If you play up the content, then they're going to be like, what the actual fuck with the kaiju? Yeah, yeah like, ah, oh, I love it. I yeah, I, th- I think you have to center on the scene of Anne Hathaway discovering that she's the kaiju. Yes. Like, I think the, the kaiju is making the away. same same gesture. Well, yeah, because that can go so many different ways. Right. Like, yeah. what, is that, it, that what is, does this mean that I I am doing this thing? Yeah. Yeah, This that is the setup of the story. That's where everything branches from. It's not necessarily the a spoiler. Yeah. It's why it's called Colossal. Yeah. <laughs> But oh my God, the, Wendy, you would love it so hard. I you can't would wait love to this see movie. It. I, can't I love wait it so to much. It. Yeah, so, yeah it, it's it's exactly the sort of story that Nacho does so well. I just yes. like to say his name, Nacho Vigalando. Nacho. Nacho. Yeah. I am not your Vigalando. <laughs> and he won the award before the movie even played. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the jury <laughs> they selected had to send him up, and he was like. I won something. I won something. <laughs> what? Oh, and he, he got a, he got a special cake. He got a cake. The cake. The cake. Oh my god! So they I'm had. I'm sure there's clips online. Go yeah. look up this cake. Oh, there there are photos. It's it's astounding because uh, so before the movie, you know, Tim tells a story about this young filmmaker ten years ago who showed up with time crimes and, was and everybody polite. was like, oh my god, time crimes. And he was very polite and, and kind shy. Of shy. shy, polite and shy. <laughs> who knew? Yeah. And like, and and they roll out this cake to celebrate, and it's. It's a, it is a city with Godzilla in it, a Godzilla body, body rampaging through the city with a giant Nacho Vigalondo head on it. Oh my god! Like a giant bobblehead. It is awesome, and it's all cake. Oh, did we we didn't. Eat it? They I, cut it, Nacho cut into himself. Yeah, and they said they were going to pass stuff around, but I bet that was more fondant than cake. So yeah, sure I, we like, no. we didn't get any cake in my yeah, theater. We didn't I get am any so cake. sad. We I'm were so in sad. that theater. The no, there was no cake. Yeah. The cake was... The cake was a lie for me. Yeah, dare I say a lie. Yeah, but he, he cut off his own ear, and I was very yeah, impressed. Yeah, he cut off his own ear. <laughs> and, and then it. they were like, no, no, go. No, stab it, stab it into the head. Stab it so into the head. They kind of lobotomized know. him a little. Oh, dear. Yeah, that was really impressive. Right through the eye. Right through the eye. Um, okay, so dear listeners, we got to go party. Oh, yeah. Yes, it's time, it's time, it's time. It's time to go party. And so, dear Yay. listeners, we'll bring the microphone with us. 
Because we'll see what may happen. Yeah, yeah but right. we'll see how sober we are and if we remember to record anything. Or what's so, going on yeah. at the place since we still don't know. Yeah, we yeah, have no so idea. It's, it's kind of a surprise. a location. That's, yeah. it. That's it. That's There's all we know. Gonna, I don't know if there will be a donkey this year. Let's go find out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. We'll talk to you soon, listeners. Woo! All right, listeners. So we are going to record a quick little recap um, to tie up this last day eight reportage. It is actually the morning after. Yeah, yeah. I, I recorded one clip last night that I think I'll probably slip in before this one of you singing uh, whatever you were singing. White Rabbit. White Rabbit. And uh, that was it. I was totally lazy about recording sound clips at the party. But, you know, I'm not feeling well so that's probably just as well well and darn it melissa why couldn't yeah no seriously <laughs> are you kidding me um so we have with us jerry hello who, who arrived in town jerry of course came in mostly um uh, for the last day of the festival mostly to spend time with his um gaming compatriots over in the arcade indeed yeah there's a whole section of fantastic fest that is just an arcade and it's for video game developers and new video games so Usually I get over there to play with the stuff. I didn't at all this year, partially because it was in the second half of the festival, and that's when I was sick, <laughs> and, and when I am still sick. So Jerry, though, was in it to win it all of yesterday, so Jerry can tell us about Arcade. Yeah, so I uh, sadly was only here for the one day, so didn't get to spend all the time I wanted, but I at least got to touch on a lot of things. Um... I think, uh, as far as highlights, so uh, the, the interesting thing about Fantastic Arcade is the kinds of games that show up are usually a little different. Like, there's a lot of, like, very experimental stuff, um, weird explorations in art and strangeness, uh, and so you kind of get a big mix of things that do something successfully and then have, like, big glaring problems. Um, now, a few that were, like, just incredibly excellent. Uh, now, one, this is not actually a game per se. It's called Nest Spectre, and it's two friends of mine that at last year's Fantastic Arcade uh, coagulated together to create something new. Uh, one of them, Andrew, he um, modified an original Nintendo with a new memory ROM chip so that his computer could, could read and write to it uh, whenever he wanted. And then my friend Zachary, uh, he... Uh, was able to create a little web interface so that everyone in the arcade theater could go to their phone and interact with the Nintendo live. And this year they did something a little different where they uh, he created a fake like Nintendo gamepad uh, website. Mm -hmm. So everybody in the theater went uh, to this website and had like a little Nintendo pad on their smartphone screen. And then they had them play like a level of Mario. Uh, where it was the collective buttons being pressed that would determine what actually happened. That's so cool! Whoa. And they beat the level. Oh my god! Dozens wow. and dozens of people controlling it simultaneously, and they managed to beat it. And the best part was, uh, three of them were testing this out in the hotel room the night before, and were like, this is never, like, they're gonna do so badly. Because the three of them were unable to coordinate enough to make any real progress, but like the whole room full of people was able to beat a level. So that was, I think, kind of a, a really special performance piece that you just you just don't normally get. Mm -hmm. So particularly cool. Uh, Andy also made the um, Russian roulette Nintendo cartridge last year, which was so fun. Oh, which yeah. was so fun, yeah. and and he did a Kickstarter, and so he's releasing the actual cartridges. So that's really really good stuff. Uh, so for some of the kind of more traditional games, um, there are a few that like are very interesting and like I'm kind of mad about them because they they are missing some fundamental stuff. Um, there is Everything by David O'Reilly where you can be just anything and everything in the universe. You start as some kind of animal, big or small, and you kind of roll around in this really uh, absurd manner with big black eyes so like if you're a bear the and you move forward the bear just like moves onto one of the other facets of its body mm -hmm. and then just keeps rolling 
Okay. Um, and then you can find a tree, and then you like see what the tree's thinking about, and then you could be the tree, and then you can multiply yourself and then dance, or you could be smaller and become a rock, or then a microbe, or you could get bigger and become a mountain or a planet and go into the solar system. It's a little insane. I was um, going to say, it sounds like you're high right now. Yeah, he, uh, David O'Reilly also made a game called Mountain uh, that was at Fantastic Arcade a few years ago uh, where it's just you would draw a picture and then it would use that as input to randomly generate this floating island mountain in space. Oh, okay. And that's it. You would just watch the mountain. And <laughs> stuff would happen occasionally, like a large piece of trash would like slam into it. But that's it. There's no, like, you, you wouldn't play. You that's would very just, zen. Yeah, it's yeah. totally... That could be a really cool, but like, I could see why somebody would still want oh, yeah. to interact with it. It's, mm-hmm. it's totally, like, and you could spin around it and look underneath. I, I wasn't sure what it said about me, because when I installed it on my phone and tried to play it, I drew a little picture, and it created no mountain. Just <laughs> some this, a sparse set of rocks underneath where the mountain should be. <laughs> and I was like, okay, so I have no soul, evidently. <laughs> uh, so everything is interesting. It, it has some... It feels like it has these kind of weird problems. As, as, as The things that are interesting about it feel very difficult to like really get to and get the enjoyment out of it. It's, I mean, it's, it's a bizarre kind of exploratory experience. So I'm I'm excited to see like where the rest of that goes. Another one that like was a little frustrating was called Sacramento and it had this really gorgeous uh watercolor style. It's a, a 3D first person game that's all watercolor. Nice. Except the controls were so bad. Oh trying to turn the character, it was like trying to turn a train on the tracks. Like there's a reason they don't have steering wheels. <laughs> it doesn't work. Like you just slowly kind of move around and so I just only walked forward because I couldn't manage anything else and I was like okay well the world that I can see is really beautiful I can't actually explore and I'm like this really beautiful space is making me super angry because it's like right here for me and I'm being prevented from interacting with it because of a terrible terrible control scheme so I don't know what the hell was going on there but it was not okay Uh, for, for really good stuff Notable ones, uh, there's one called Little Bug, uh, where um, you control this really cute little character with uh, kind of dual joysticks. One of them moves the character around, and then the other one moves this kind of ball of magical glowy light. And then when you press a foot pedal, the light would like shoot a beam of energy to your character and like pull it, pull the character toward the light. And so you were using that to navigate the character through these uh, complicated uh, platforms and spaces. I love the idea of the foot pedal. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was really nice to like be able to like utilize more parts of your body to, to feel like you were in full control. So kind of in contrast to Sacramento, like I felt like I had perfect control of what was going on and uh, like could be a part of that world. Uh, and the aesthetic was gorgeous. It has this, this really beautiful softness and it was kind of a night, uh, nighttime, like dusk, kind of just nice. really, really lovely, soft light um, aesthetic to it. And I, I met with the developers there. Um, I think this was their first game. Uh, and I, I told them I was super impressed by it because there were a lot of games making me mad uh, and making my friend Lisa mad. <laughs> uh, and she, uh, Lisa Brown, uh, we, we played a lot of the games together. Uh, and she has like the sharpest game design sense I know. Um, so it, yeah, we both were like, this is good. Uh, and then another, a couple other really good ones, um, tumble seed, which is a, a, if you've ever played a game in an arcade where you have, um, like a, a vertical space with holes in it mm-hmm. and you lift pegs on the right and left side. So you have a platform that lifts up. And you have a ball that's now rolling left and right on that board, and you're trying to avoid the holes as yeah. you pass them. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's that only. It's kind of a, um, it, it's a, a kind of a, a, a roguelike game where uh, you're you're exp- getting experience and interacting with with creatures and characters as you move vertical in the space. So a really really interesting combination of of uh, controls and and like gameplay styles. Uh, Loot Rascals was a big favorite. 
Uh, it's this really, really gorgeous, like, vibrant, colorful, hexagon, um, turn-based, like, uh, action game. And it had this interesting card system where you, uh, where you could manage, like, your offense and defense by, like, uh, going to this card inventory and, like, deciding which ones are active and, and what the effects will be. Uh, so gameplay is really simple. That it, although it's turn-based, you can move whenever you want, but you can stop at any time, and the gameplay will kind of just stay the way it is. So you can see what you want to do next. But great, great feedback, great control, looked gorgeous. Um, and there's a million to talk about, but I'll just say last one. There's a there's one I've been waiting for for a while called Return of the Obradin. Uh, which is a one-bit game, again, in contrast to the last one, which is really, really colorful, pinks and purples and blues, and this one is just black and white. Um, And it is 3D, and it's uh, basically the the creator, uh, Lucas Pope, uses a lot of special shader techniques in order to turn uh, a more complex and detailed environment into something ultra-simplistic but in a way where you can actually see what's going on because uh, uh, because uh like you need contrast in the right places but basically you're on an old timey vessel uh and you're um you are there for insurance reasons and you're there to investigate and figure out what happened on the ship so you have this special device where it takes you kind of back in time to witness an action taking place uh, like you, you walk around and there's these skeletons and bodies. And so you see, uh, these little scenes play out and, in kind of slow motion and, and you're trying to, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit of a puzzle mechanic. You're trying to like logically deduce, uh, what happened in what order on the ship so that you can presumably like fill out the proper insurance forms. And <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really weird. Like I, I, I can't claim to fully understand what's going on yet, but really, really strange, clever, interesting. So I hope I, I'm looking forward to the kind of full game experience, but it's, it's something else. Neat. Yeah. Oh, Excellent. actually the one final thing is there was a lot of virtual reality stuff. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so that's a big it's one. It's too bad that you didn't come in because they they dismantled it for the last day. But oh. they had the v, they had a VR company doing doing stuff in the lobby. Oh, nice. Yeah, they yeah, were. And there nice. were three different scenarios you could play. I didn't end up playing any. Yeah, of them. The, the setup was really cool because one of them. Um, you sit in an actual wheelchair while you're wearing the VR thing. Oh, I do. And yeah, then, I've heard about one, that one. There was one where uh, you lay down in a coffin and you were in an actual <gasps> oh, coffin. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. I yeah, would love so that. Cool. Yeah. I love enclosed, like, spaces. <laughs> yeah, like, I didn't even think of it, but you would have you would have loved that shit. Oh, that's so good. I didn't take the time to do it, and part of why I didn't was I would have been very conscious of the fact that you're literally doing this with people standing yeah. one foot away from you, mm-hmm. watching you. Oh, it's super fun to take selfies with people that are in VR. Oh, it yeah, really is. Without it them is. knowing. And I'm just like, I can imagine how goofy I would look. Like, Ugh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a, fr- a friend of mine has a VR setup, and I was over there for a party uh, very recently, and so I, I can't remember what system it was. Wait, but... Did it have, like... Hand controllers? Yeah, it did. With, like, the little circle-y loops? Yeah. That, that would be the HTC Vive. Yeah. So that's it, what I Vive. use. It's a Vive. And um, so this was the first time... <laughs> that's what I use. That's what I use. It, it's, a ne- it's a really nice setup because you can adjust the pupillary distance. Oh, mm-hmm. and, yeah. Uh, but anyway... Um, it's the first time I've ever done any kind of VR, and I must have looked like I was high because he put me in like this underwater simulation thing, and um, there there are like three setups that you can go through, and he goes, okay, start with one and progress to three because uh, three is the coolest, and you'll want to be used to it before you be- get before there. you get there, and so you know. He he turned the thing on and it was like whoa, <laughs> and I must have looked like the highest person on the planet, you know, uh, just standing in the middle of his living room, going ah, looking, staring all over the place at nothing, <laughs> essentially. Yeah, yeah. It's it's amazing. The uh, the HTC Vive I think is the best of the VR systems on the market right now, mm-hmm. and because I tried the Oculus uh, and and PlayStation VR. Um, 
But the HTC Vive was the first one when I used it. I was like, oh yeah, VR is staying. Yeah, like, it's they have they have gotten far enough where like it it's gonna stick. There are places to improve, but like it is good. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. The thing that impressed me is that that third underwater um, uh, simulation thing. Uh, you know, first of all, it was like the, the first one was you're on a coral reef. It's daytime, and there's fish and turtles and stuff swimming around you. Second one, um, I can't quite remember what that one was, but the third one is you are deep sea. It is darkness around you, and uh, your uh, your little hand controllers are flashlights. Ooh. So you you raise your flashlight, and you can see all the particles in the water going through the beam, and you can only see a little bit whatever's in the beam of the flashlight. And there's like you're going through, and there's like skeletons and shit around you. It's like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> And then, and then, like the uh, uh, phospholuminescent uh, jellyfish come through. Yay! Yeah. So, so good. If if I did marijuana, I I would have like <laughs> okay, stop this right now. We're getting all through. <laughs> let's let's toke up, and then I want to do this again. Yeah. Be so awesome. That would be wow. That would be that would be amazing. Yeah, they they still had VR stuff set up. They had a Vive set up on stage uh, for Alchemy Labs, a new game that they're working on with the Rick and Morty creator. Oh yeah, um, which is a Rick and Morty game. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard did about you that. did you hear about Pocket Mortys? Did you play Pocket Mortys? No, it's Pokemon with Mortys. That's super weird. <laughs> I, I, I was I was playing it for a while. This was like, uh, gosh, almost maybe eight months ago that Cargill showed it to me. <laughs> I don't know Pokemon, so I was getting frustrated because it assumes you know how Pokemon work. Yeah, right. But it's all the alternate universe Mortys. The, your Rick <laughs> is going around collecting so he can battle his Mortys against other alternate unit universe. That's Ricks fantastic. And their collection of Mortys. Yeah. That's fantastic. That's um, fantastic. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, guys, next year we need to make a fantastic fest bumper. Can we just admit it? Oh my goodness. Yes, we, we do. try. We're all we constantly overload ourselves. Right? <laughs> and we're in three different cities. Yeah. There, there has to be a way this can work. There's a way it can work. There's Drop a way. Box. Dropbox can so, help me. All right, final final thing. thing. Yeah. So like they had the uh, a number of PlayStation VR stations set up um and they had the Rick and Morty game. Uh the the Alchemy folks they did a uh, job simulator which was one of kind of the launch titles of VR. Uh and they're in town actually. They they recently uh, got about five million in funding, and so they opened a new office last summer. I went to visit them, and their office was a weird suburban house, like just in a normal neighborhood, just like an and it looked like just a nice model home. And you walk in, and it's all super clean and the tight carpeting and everything, except there's just a bunch of computers and like VR stands. Sweet, and that was that was what it was. So it was really, really weird, and like this really like overly nice kitchen. And <laughs> so now that they have money, they're actually in a real office, which, was, um, yeah, I'm hoping like I can go visit them. In the house. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. you can stop, take a little nap. <laughs> yeah, it's super strange. So they got like a new an thing. Opium and... den. <laughs> okay, so we yeah. need to take the opium den model and turn opium it to den VR. Model. There we go. Yep, clearly, clearly. Yes. So, yeah, VR. VR is cool. HTC Vive, I think, is by far the best. Plus, it doesn't have, like, an original CEO that is a hate monger, mm. uh, like Oculus, yeah. Um, yeah. who still works for the company, is not running it, but is still deeply, in, or I don't know how deeply involved, but is involved. So, shame on you. Shame on you, Oculus. Creep. <laughs> All right. Good so, stuff. So, um, th- Jerry, thank yes, you. I thank love you. Of course. I love you. this information. I am always fascinated by your brain. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then, then we went to the party. We did go to the party, which was... <laughs> it, 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 well, it's like all Fantastic Fest closing night parties, chaos reigns. Yeah. Um, right. It's... It, just, they, they accept the brownie in motion of what's going to happen. Just. Yeah, they... They they always sound so spectacular on paper, and then it just kind of fails at simple logistical points, you know. <laughs> and and yet you have fun despite well, mostly all of that. because it, doing exactly what you did at Fantastic Fest, which is finding fun people to talk to and right. standing around. Right. Um, I will say I agree. Like having it indoors made it really like, claustrophobic. It was a little claustrophobic. It was very it was loud. Like I liked yeah. last year when it was out at the Ghost Town because. It was easier, like the sound 
and like it was easier to navigate the crowd. Yeah, you could get out of there and still have your drink with you and yeah. all that. It, it's a yeah. The problem last night is if you wanted to go outside, you'd have to sit with the smokers and you couldn't bring your drink out with you, so you couldn't just hang around outside and be social no. away from the noise. Yeah, and it, it was, was mm. they were wanting people coming in. Um, and so apparently before we got there, the line was like 45 minutes to get in. Yeah. We only had to spend like five. Because we wasted time and, yeah. you know, got so, there whenever we didn't like, please. I was like, oh, we're really late to the party. And then I'm like, well, no, I think we worked out this out rather well. Yeah. Um, there was, I mean, it was a cool space. Yeah, because there was an arcade, there was a roller rink, there, it, it was like a... Bowling? Yeah, like a youth center. It was, it, yeah. yeah, it yeah. was. Um, there was karaoke, uh, there were giant dancing robots. Uh, there was face up. painting, and there was all sorts of great decorations, and everything was free. Yep. Everything was free. So the booze was free. Um, um, the food's and free. And the food's free, the roller skating was free. I saw Elijah Wood on roller skating. Yes. <laughs> I saw a Godzilla on roller skates. Yep. Uh, I, I got on roller skates briefly, um, which I knew at the time would be a bad idea. Because you didn't have your own skates? Because I didn't have my own <laughs> skates. And that once you once you start skating a lot, so these are not my wheels. These these are not yeah. the, the things I'm used to. And I didn't have my gear, which makes me feel naked. Mm -hmm. But in particular, I was like, well, I'm going to get some skates on. I know that these are rink skates, so they're not going to be the best. Oh, these were... These terrible. Terrible. But I did skate and that was fun. I sang a little karaoke, but mostly I just stood around with a drink in my hand and talked to people I like. Yeah. And that's, Which, that's all cool. That was super cool. That's I really what it's meant for. Yeah. I wanted to do face painting, but I did not have the patience to just stand in a random line for a half hour or so. Yeah. And the line did cool off after a while. And by that point, I just didn't yeah. care enough. Uh, the drinks was a huge line. <laughs> yeah. Cutting through tables. Like, it's just like, oh, yeah, chaos reigns. But then afterwards, uh, six of us. Yeah, the El Pancaco alarm went up. Thank yes. you, Wendy. <laughs> and so six of us wound up at the Magnolia. Yes. Yeah, for, eating, eating pancakes. Got home at 4 a.m., full of pancakes. Pancakes and eggs. And I tell you, it just, it puts you to bed in the best way. It does. It does. Oh, and then, so another fantastic fest is... Over, but yeah, but is it because tonight Jerry, Melissa, and my hubs Chris and I we're gonna go to the Satanic Panic Puzzle Room? Yes, yes, yeah. The uh, the festival set up in the basement underneath the highball. There is an escape room for the month of October, and yes. they started it up during Fantastic Fest. So we are doing the escape room tonight. Uh, we'll probably also do some karaoke on our own because last night's karaoke was kind of sad. Chris is coming? Yes. <gasps> He's not working? Not tonight. <gasps> yeah. Yay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's our fourth. Um, yeah. So Melissa and I thought we'd very quickly go through our, our, our favorites. favorites from the festival. Yep. So. Very quickly. Very quickly. So Wendy, what were your favorites? Uh, Magadira. Magadira. Obviously, that was the Indian, Tel Telugu. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I want it. I need to own it. Yep. Um. Girl with all the gifts. Mm -hmm. I loved the dystopian and and the the very fresh take on zombies. Uh, upon reflection, Age of Shadows. Yep. I love. I loves me some crime, crime and spy and ooh political stuff. Arrival is right. one of the best. Go, go see it. Handmaiden. Oh my god, go <laughs> see it. That's uh, and so I've got a ton, and and bad black, mm -hmm. but I've got a ton of like uh, Korean in there, and um, and then definitely dearest sister right. Maddie Doe's because I love the atmosphere of it. Yeah. I love the pacing and the tone, and I'm gonna put the bad batch on there, and the reason why because it's not perfect, but I, my hypothesis, and I'm still thinking about this, bad batch. Which is by um, Anna Lily uh, Anandpour. Um, I think that's the movie that Paul Verhoeven was trying to make with Elle. Ah, interesting. Okay. Like interesting. It, I think it is communicating the ideas that they were wanting to explore, but doing it well. But doing it in a different context, mm. which allows you to really talk about choice while removing. The, like choice and consent yeah. and what we are looking for in life, but removing the problems of actually making it about sex. 
Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Those were my favorites. And meanwhile, my, my picks are uh, Colossal. <laughs> yep. Love Colossal. Uh, Magadira, once again. Mm-hmm. Age of Shadows, once again. Dear Sister, once again. Um, I, love, I love them all. I really enjoyed Raw, which I know you didn't get to see, but I think you'd really love. And Belief, The Possession of Janet Moses. Uh, I found that deeply affecting. The, the best documentary I saw there. Shin Godzilla, because, you know, Godzilla. And Handmaiden. Yeah. Well, let's see. My yeah. four my four films I wish I had seen yeah. are Colossal, mm-hmm. Belief, mm-hmm. Raw. Yeah. So the, those three. And then also... Um, uh, Osiris Child. The Osiris Child. Yeah, and I didn't get to see a, Osiris Child either. I tried. I tried. It didn't happen. Yeah. And Asterisk, the two favorite film viewing experiences I had were Salt and Fire and Bad Black. Because <laughs> Bad Black is not... a good in a traditional sense but boy i sure as hell loved being there and it would that was my transcendent fantastic fest experience well, that's of like, why it's on my is, list yeah this is a world i was previously unaware of and watching that with an audience in that context was fantastic and same with salt and fire it's like boy herzog's new film is a hot mess but watching it in that audience seeing it there <laughs> <laughs> and me personally knowing so much about Herzog and watching this unfold in front of me was great. It was what so the, great. What the fuck? What the actual, actual fuck? Because, <laughs> wow. And, and hearing an entire audience react to, I only use the wheelchair when I'm tired of life is awesome. <laughs> it's just awesome. <laughs> Found it freaking hilarious. Before we leave, if you could get me a toy... A toy, a spoon, and I forget what the third, and your camera. Yeah. You, you're, I've had a, a toy and a spoon. Yeah. yeah. And it's, what the, what the fuck? <laughs> what the actual fuck? This, right? sh- this champagne will lure the aliens to Earth. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Bad Black ended up on my list. Not any, it, it, well, my yeah, it's, so, it's so genuine. It's, 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 it's so amazing. Great. All right. So that's another one in the books, listeners. Yes. Uh, I am so tired. And I am so sick. <laughs> and um, Melissa is drinking. I am drinking this horrifying thing I found on the way, on the drive <laughs> down here. I found it in the middle of Missouri. Bud Light is making a chilada thing. So it's Bud Light and Clamato in a can. And uh, it's not as horrifying as you might think if you're if you're into Clamatas. But, uh, and a Clamata is a... Or uh, uh, chilada, I'm sorry, chilada. Chilada is uh, basically tomato juice and beer. It's it's kind of like the a Bloody Mary made with beer instead of um, vodka. Bloody Mary made with beer in a can. In a can. With Bud with Light. With Bud Light. <laughs> now, to be fair, the, the salt and lemon and tomato do mask the horrible, horrible taste of Bud Light. <laughs> so, really, this is kind of a win. And uh, I, it's what I was craving, so... <laughs> it's what, it, uh, it's what, what I was craving crazy. specifically was salt. So, it's oh a win God, here. Right? <laughs> right. Uh, so... A little bit of hair of the dog here. Uh, all right, I didn't listen, drink that much last night. I'm just... Yeah, well, yeah, uh, you were our designated driver, and thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you for designated driving. Um, I got just... Perfectly buzzed. I was just very like. Yeah, you were happy. Mm, just, just mm, a little. Mm. And and we should we should mention that uh, Nacho Vigalondo was really rocking out to your <laughs> White Rabbit rendition. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, as Nacho Nacho Vigalondo dressed as Fay Ray from King Kong, complete with gorilla hand wrapped around him. Yeah, a stuffed like it was part of the costume, and he could move in it. And Nacho Vigalondo is the director of Colossal. Yeah, listeners, and and he's a fixture of Fantastic Fest, and he is a large personality. As we mentioned, he's last amazing. Night. So, um, so yeah, he was rocking out like Antonio Quintero took video. He's like, you need to see how much he was rocking out while you were singing. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, all right. We'll talk right. to you soon, listeners. Take care. Bye-bye. Say goodbye, Jerry. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for joining us in the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Our theme song was written by Tim Wick and Jeffrey Brown and recorded and mastered by Chad Dutton. You can find us on iTunes and on Stitcher. You can also visit us at xanaducinema.com. Follow us on Twitter at Xanadu Cinema. 
and like us on Facebook at Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. 